Everybody, 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 drop your stop, 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 And just like that, welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And we're here talking today not about Survivor, but about, and just like that, season two, episodes one and two, which just dropped on HBO Max. Uh, no, it's just called Max. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Crave if you're in Canada. That's true. It is. They did just drop. Hot off the press. I guess let's start by contextualizing. Why are we a queer-focused Survivor podcast Uh talking about and just like that? I would love to know. Oh, you're asking me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think this was... Well, first of all, how did Sundra come up? Like, how did we first... How did this conversation first come into our ear? Yeah, that's actually a great question. I don't know. Oh, 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 oh. I remember. (laughs) We were recording, okay, so for for context here, Sean has seen about five episodes of Sex and the City, and that is a very important table setting as we begin Mm -hmm. this journey. I'm not going to describe myself as a Sex and the City expert, but I'm not not going to describe myself as such. And so we did an episode of Shut Up Evan pegged to the 25th anniversary of Sex and the City several weeks ago, in which as like a... Uh, what are you, a prompt, uh, you watched the very first episode of Sex and the City and we discussed it on the pod. For the first time, that was not one of the episodes I had seen. Right. And somewhere in that discussion, we were like wondering, oh, is there any connection between uh, Survivor and Sex and the City? Because there's connections between like Survivor and The View, for instance, with Elizabeth Hasselbeck or Survivor Survivor and The White Lotus. There you go. So... We were like, does this exist? And it occurred to us that Sundra Oakley, who is famously one of the finalists from Survivor season 13, Cook Islands, appeared on a single episode of Sex and the City. And so that is the tiny but mighty bridge that we are making to turn our Survivor podcast (laughs) for the next 11, or excuse me, 10 weeks. We are going to be performing (laughs) double duty, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah he, ex- he exhales deeply <laughs> the survival no, Sean, content's not going anywhere just it's not so going anywhere knows like a, this is this is a priority for us right now to focus on and just like that because enough of you spoke out and said hey i'd be interested in hearing that and i also thought it was a good idea at one time uh, and so here we are and here we're gonna do we it but are. we've still got survivor off-season content planned for you. In fact, hey, Kathy Vavrick O'Brien posted this video like a week ago on Instagram on her real estate page about how she was on Survivor. And I just shared that. And thank you to all the Drop Your Buffs followers who went and blew that post up. And she followed us back and she liked a comment that somebody left saying you should go on Drop Your Buffs. So I feel like my... The manifestation I'm putting out there right now is that in this Survivor offseason, we will talk to Kathy Vavrick O'Brien. 
My dream is that we are now on Kathy Vavrick O'Brien's radar. She decides to listen to an episode of Drop Your Buffs. And it's in fact, and then just like that recap pod. And as a result, she's like, I can't do this pod. I don't know anything about it. And just like that. And then decides not to come on the podcast. Don't put that out there. I'm joking. I'm joking. We obviously want her on the podcast. What if she's like, oh my God, I love and just like that. Then we would have her perform double duty, come and do a deep dive about Survivor Marquesas, or as she calls it, Survivor Marquesa. Uh And then we would discuss, and just like that. Yeah, we could also talk about All-Stars too, but... We could talk about all We will talk about (laughs) All-Stars. Now, from All-Stars Survivor to All-Stars Sex in the City, question mark? Transition, question mark? Uh, We have, and just like that, before us. Now, I want to read a quote from Variety um, that was included in their review that came out yesterday. They said, quote, There's something about Sex in the City that keeps us welcoming it back. Something beyond the willingness of crew and cast less Kim Cattrall, to keep showing up. Its characters combine a fundamental knowability, certain core characteristics that allow us to imagine them in any situation. I wouldn't go out of my way to recommend the show exactly, in substantial part because if it's for because if it's for you, you already know and are watching. But as part of a sustained storytelling project about how cities, relationships, people, and stories themselves change over time, it finds its way toward an askew sort of excellence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I so. think this point about <laughs> the characters being so well-defined that you can imagine them in any situation. I've been thinking about this because, like, I think I'm starting to get the grasp on it. And I feel like actually in, and just like that, and for, for I know we kind of stated this up top, but I have seen none of and just like that, right? So I've seen four, five, I think six now, actually, six episodes of Sex and the City. So I've seen the first two and then a handful of random others over my life. Um, but I, I don't really know anything about And Just Like That. And so, like, I know what I know about the characters, uh, you know, that they're defining characteristics. But, I mean, I know what I think I know about them. And, and But what I appreciate about this is that I think that watching these first two episodes of And Just Like That season two, those are reinforced to me in a big way. And so I do feel affirmed in a lot of ways. I do have some questions about Carrie. But that aside, what I like about it is that in a lot of ways, they're like the Spice Girls, right? Not like that they directly correlate to, you know, a baby, posh, ginger, scary, sporty, but that they have really distinct, not necessarily cartoonish, but rigid personalities. Mm -hmm. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. And I think that, and just like that, is about sort of taking your understanding of those personalities and saying, you might think this character that you know and love would react this way based off of their past or your idea of who they are. And uh, we're gonna scratch your perception out and show you what we wanna do. Oh, so you think that they're actually breaking the mold a little bit in terms of the characters? I think specifically with Miranda, um, that is abundantly the case. I mean, she literally, um, (laughs) to catch you up, (laughs) she fell in love with a guy named Steve. Uh, They got married. She's so like Joy Behar. Sorry. She got with a guy named Steve. They had a baby out of wedlock. Then they got married. Then he cheated on her. They broke up. Then they got back together. 
this is all SATC lore. And then with, and just like that, Miranda met Che Diaz and began her relationship with Che. And is obviously, as you see, out in California now with Che. So the Miranda that we know has, yeah, has been very much rerouted. And that's perhaps been one of the more controversial aspects of the show. But let's, let's, we're zooming out a little. Let's zoom in. Let's start with our opening shot. We open with Hold Me Closer, a redux of Tiny Dancer performed by Elton John and Britney Spears. And we have a montage of women emerging from bathrooms or closets ready to fuck. Um, And one of the big criticisms of And Just Like That season one was a lack of sex. And so I feel like this opening was intended to say season two fucks. Um, The sex is back. Sex is back, baby. Um, what was your reaction to the opening? And for for us, the reintroduction, and for you, the introduction of, well, for you, the reintroduction of Carrie, Miranda, and Charlotte, and then you were introduced to a bevy of new characters, including oh my God, yeah. Naya, LTW, Seema, and Che. Yeah, first of all, so the sex didn't phase me at all because I assumed that it was a regular part of the programming. Mm-hmm. And so that's interesting to learn. I got to say, these new characters, there's too many. There are too many. And I know we're just talking about the first montage here, but obviously I have no idea who they are. And that's a me problem because I didn't watch season one, which would have established who those are. But it's 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 funny to jump into this, you know, in this midway point where we have all of these new characters that I've never heard of i mean che obviously i've heard of through the culture but all these other people literally didn't know they exist and then i have to follow all their side stories yes now for context sean in season one we really were not given the side stories so much this is very much a change between season two one and two the idea being now that we have established these side characters we're going to deepen audiences understanding of them Um, I think to varying degrees of success. If you were to cut one of the four new additional characters to the SATC universe, and again, we're judging a book by its cover in your Mm -hmm. case, because you've seen two episodes. Who are you cutting first? Can you give me their names again? Yes. So we have Lisa Todd Wexley, LTW. Yeah. Um, We have Nia Wallace. Yeah. We have Seema Patel. And we have Che Diaz. I'm cutting Seema. Yeah, I'm sorry to Seema, but there's just too many stories going on. Mm-hmm. And Seema was the one with the hairdresser fallout. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't love that. Yeah, but you're talking episode two. We're sticking I know, I know. I'm I, just kidding. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so Seema's gone. And for, for, and <laughs> for us. Um, I think what, that... Like, what, what we could have done was, you know, focus on these side... Like, the side characters can all, like, share or, like, get individual episodes, right? So, like... Today, we're going to focus on Seema's story and like really mm-hmm. develop that as opposed to check in with all of them yeah. separately. Like I in, feel... all of them separately in the same episode. I feel like uh-huh. they're stretched a little thin. Yes. I think that's the natural um, difficulty in balancing this many lead characters on any show. I also feel like one of the criticisms that's that's evident, I think, in episode one in particular is that Carrie is given such a wobbly plot which is that basically like she's learning how to poach an egg and maybe going not sure who she's going to the Met Gala with and 
has a dress that doesn't fit, but is something that Carrie would never wear to begin with. <laughs> and she's trusting this young designer. Anyway, so Carrie's uh, plot feels a little bit uh, hollow. So the additional characters, I think, make you just, the, the, all of the confusion around who's talking and when mm, is even harder to swallow because you want a stronger Carrie plot. Um, yeah. Do we get that in episode two with the vaginal wellness ad read? We'll get to that when we get to that. Um, I have some questions. Can we? Can yeah, we, because please. I have some basic questions. Yes. I would love to yes, know yes, the yes, answers yes. to. So Carrie is going to the Met Gala. They're calling it the Met Ball. Is there mm-hmm. any difference? Um, there is not a difference. I've heard it referred to as both. I think more commonly it's referred to as the Met Gala, but the Met Ball is we can we can we'll vibe with that. Okay, so that's fine. Now, is it usual that all of these cast members would be going to the Met Gala? Okay, so here's the thing. Um, It's, no. Um, This is a strange plot for a number of reasons. Okay, so a couple things here. One, Carrie Bradshaw is famous. So in the world of Sex and the City, she is famous. Okay, okay. Well, the, can I, can, because I have another question I think feel like deserves to be inserted here. Go for it. Uh, so, so she is famous. That fame was established at some point during Sex in the City. Is that correct? Well, in theory, she's famous from the outset because if you remember well, the opening uh, credits, she's a columnist. Well, right, but that's a sort of that's a sort of New York fame. Okay. But she's on the side of a bus in the opening credits. That's the big oh, joke. Oh, you're right. So yes, and then like throughout the series, I mean, she gets a book deal at one point. Okay. Uh, in season three of the show, she goes out to Los Angeles because they're thinking about adapting her column, you know, into a, a series or a film or something. So let's like, yes, we we meta. are to understand That's that meta. Carrie, yeah, that Carrie Bradshaw is famous. She and is so, the Lena Dunham of her generation, truly. Yes, yes, <laughs> it's, it's 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 a straight line. Um, so. It makes sense that Carrie Bradshaw would be invited to the Met Gala. And then also there's this talk uh, of the the back entrance. I spoke to a friend of mine who works on the Met Gala. There is no back entrance to the Met Gala. Everyone who attends, no, everyone who attends the Met Gala goes up and down the stairs. And the reason why you don't see any of those sort of like people that in theory would be going through the back door is because everyone who attends the Met Gala is someone worthy of being on the carpet, more or less. So Charlotte's not attending the Met Gala. I had a hard time believing anyone outside of Carrie is in attendance at the Met Gala. There is a world in which, and again, I'm not an expert on this, in which Lisa Todd Wexley has enough money, because that's the other, that's the way you guarantee your ticket to the Met Gala if you're not invited by a designer or, you know, invited by Anna, is that you pay a lot of money to secure a table. There's a world in which Lisa did that but it basically if had lisa bought a whole table her gifting those seats out to people like anthony like a friend of a friend's Uh friend um you're giving them a gift that's worth i mean hundreds of thousands of dollars like you could go down to the titanic for that yes yes so that was all strange. And then also, not to like jump ahead here, but like I thought it was odd that like we didn't get any of the Met Gala. This is like, and just totally. like that. It's like the preeminent show about fashion. And the Met Gala is the preeminent fashion event. 
And so it was odd that like we didn't even at least get like their arrival. I mean, they very much, I imagine, Gossip Girl was able to film a fake Met Gala <laughs> moment. Uh, and that's also Max. Like it was absolutely possible. It was surprising to end the episode uh, when it ended, especially because we'd been given so much preamble leading up to this moment. Yeah, I thought I thought episode two was going to be the Met Gala episode. Like we're here and here's everything that happens there. No, we're focusing no. on vaginal wellness ads. <laughs> That's episode two. Now, I want to point out in our opening montage with Naya in her beat, because basically everyone's fucking mm-hmm. sans Naya, who is alone because her boyfriend is on tour, or excuse me, her husband is on tour. I did want to note the fact that Max, not HBO, not 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 HBO Max, not HBO Go, but Max is one of the options on her television. Mm. And mind you, this was filmed months and months ago. So I just think it was really oh. interesting that they were thinking that far ahead that like... Well, Max... that can be done in post. Of course. No, but I'm just saying it's like that is a detail that I, I like that they like were like... It very much set the scene as like, you are watching something very current. She was using... Like, you know, when you plug a DVD player in and, it, and you're surprised it has apps on it? Uh huh. That's what she was using. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, of everyone fucking, who do you think appeared to be having the best sex? Oh my God. I don't know. I'm going to oh, go. Uh, 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 I think, uh, I, I look, I liked the Miranda and Chase scene. Were they having the best sex? I don't know, but it was the one that caught my eye. Yeah, I just feel like underwater and in a hot tub is, like, tough. I could do it. I mean, it's possible, sure. I think not only could I do it, I would thrive. Wow. Say it. (laughs) I'm going to go with Charlotte and Harry. I just love that we got a nude scene from Kristen Davis in her very first scene of the season, I think it was a strong statement, and uh, I, I loved, I loved it. Yeah, you know what? I think that because it was my first thing that I saw of this whole journey, I wasn't focused too closely on it as something to keep an eye on. I think going back, if I saw Charlotte banging somebody, I would be gagged. Now yeah. that I've seen Charlotte in two episodes, I, would be I totally also just gagged. like love the look on Harry's face. When Charlotte approaches him from behind, if <laughs> I'm gonna have to screenshot this, but like <laughs> they have like, unfortunately they don't have like the best romantic chemistry for me. Um, but maybe this is like true to like what it's like to be in a relationship for this long. But there was something about the way she like approached him from behind that was like more like gentle, <laughs> like um, you know, like how one would like you know, uh, give their father like a nice squeeze from behind than it was like lover. Um, But it was very sweet. Um, Now I want to talk about the fact that, so this guy that Carrie is dating, I had to Google his name because he's not top of mind for me, which I think is relevant. Franklin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Franklin. Oh, I did not. Franklin is great. You think? I think Franklin is a catch. Well, I think he's, physically a catch sure you don't think he's a good match for carrie i was like what are you giving up i don't think he's developed any sensibilities that make him a match or not a match he's very much just like let's have there be a man in this bed and he's on his laptop and he watches cooking shows i 
can't imagine what more somebody would be looking for. What are what do you find to be so like what is it about Franklin? Franklin? I think he's available, he's interested, he's sweet, he's like willing to help. He I, I think he's got it all. I think he's got the whole package. Like okay. what more I mean, could you want from a man in this day and age? I think that I want for my Sex in the City men to have more idiosyncrasies than Franklin. Well, um give also him a minute. Well, I gave him, he's had a few episodes now, and <laughs> the temperature remains, we're not at a boil. Um, okay. I also found it odd that it's like, basically like the the idea that's being presented here is that like, they're casually fucking, and he like kind of wants to take it to the next level, and Carrie's not sure. But then like, he's at her place on his laptop watching cooking shows, which is not exactly like, we're just fucking behavior. Like we're just fucking behavior is like, he comes over after the podcast, we get super sweaty, then we say goodbye until we see each other the next day at work. I can get down with the he stays over because everyone, you know, people do things differently, but they were very much emanating couple energy and not like casual sex energy. Yeah, but he was trying to move the needle on that. So maybe Uh that's like his way. Plus, I think it's complicated by the fact that they work together, right? They spend time together. So he's working on this podcast she does, which like, let's get to that in a second. We will get to that. (laughs) (laughs) And so they spend a lot of creative time together. It's not outside of the realm of possibility that they go home they have sex, and then he's like, hey, I want to show you this thing. Like, I want to show, like, you know, that happens. People are like, hey, oh, yeah, like, we're talking. Hey, did you, have you heard this song? Like, oh, put it on. Have you seen this thing? Have you seen yes, this but, YouTube video? Yes, but, but they, weren't, it on. they weren't watching a cooking show together. He was watching a <laughs> cooking show. <laughs> I know. I think it was just his attempt to try. He was trying. He was like, let's yeah. see if we can have the cozier situation. Right, right, right. Okay, so then we get Carrie and her fantasy of poaching an egg. Um... Have you ever poached an egg? It's funny you ask. I have on my dock to ask you that very question. Um, <laughs> I've never poached an egg. I don't much care for a poached egg, oh. but I recognize when, like, in the glamour of an egg, I know that, like, the best you can do aesthetically is over easy or a poached egg. Because, mm-hmm. like, I prefer an egg over medium with, like, a ton of pepper. And, like, that's not a beautiful-looking egg. Oh, no, that's rough. I'm sorry. It's scaly. Yeah, no, it, it can be, like, kind of rubbery. Yeah. When done wrong. But so I recognize the aesthetic. And I know, that obviously, they're very popular in Europe. And, like, you know, when you get avocado toast, it's, like, always the poached egg. Even though I'm, like, an a, a, an over-easy, over-medium egg would make so much more sense because of the circumference of the, of the toast a I know, but circular. the whole like gag is like it needs to break. It needs to get a little messy because you eat an avocado toast with. A yeah, fork but that's and why the knife. egg's over easy. That's too messy. Okay, so over medium. No, we want a poached egg. Okay, fine. There's only one answer. So I, I'm guessing that you can poach an egg. I I think I can, but I never have. I mean, isn't I've it studied, just? I've studied how to do it. There's some. There's some tips and tricks. Some some will say add vinegar to the water. Some will say never add vinegar to the water. Wow. You got to swirl the water. Uh, I, I feel confident that I could pull it off. I just, I'm not that big of an egg person, to be honest with you. Some, they kind of make me feel sick, and it's like not a great way to start the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's a rare occasion that I'm going to have an egg for myself. And in those occasions, I'm usually hungover. Mm-hmm. And I'm certainly not going to try poaching an egg for the first time hungover. Mm. 
I mean, I feel like she ultimately was successful because it she sounds was so like successful. well, she's well, she had it was a rough start for her, but she was able to poach her egg and then have the caviar, the caviar poached egg with Charlotte. And then they proceed to go on their little stroll together where Carrie turns her first L-E-W-K of the episode. And it is at the nine minute and eight second mark that we get our very first Samantha reference, Mm -hmm. which I want to pause here to say, Sean, this is your first time experiencing a Samantha-less sex in the city. Yeah. And how does that, you know, how's that feeling for you? I, I, I'm, I'm missing a little something here because it seems strange to me in this show that is originally about four friends who live not together, but, you know, they live in, in community in New York City. And, <laughs> and all Carrie has in this show is Charlotte. Like, poor Carrie. And I think she's rubbing off on her. And I think that it's a mistake that Miranda's not in New York. And I I sense that. I mean, the fact that, I'm sorry to jump ahead, but the fact that Miranda's calling Carrie from LA because like she's stranded doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, I realize that she's trying to get a number and stuff, but it's just like there's the distance is is too far. And it's it's just strange to me that this show about four friends is now a show about two friends who I feel like don't even have that much in common. Um, and we're, we're, I'm missing Miranda's presence in New York, and I'm missing Samantha's presence on the show. Absolutely. So I will say, this isn't like a spoiler, and I've, I have not watched ahead of these two episodes, but I feel confident in predicting that Miranda will soon return. It feels like, it feels like it's coming. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we keep getting like it's inching off the rails with Che, and then like we get it back on track. But like, is it on track? There's like that moment after the comedy concert when Che's like Miranda goes and hugs them from behind, and uh-huh. she's like, "Don't touch me." Uh-huh. And then Che like scolds Miranda for coming to the show because they had said that they didn't want Miranda to come. And then Miranda's like, oh, but your show was great. And then we cut to the next scene and it's like, wait, but where did we net out here? Like, is is everything okay? Um, But anyway, to your point, here's like a question that I have that I would love to hear people discuss in the comments on our Instagram post about this episode, (laughs) which we'll be making. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Are we putting, and just like that content on the Drop Your Buffs Instagram page? Could it ever go on Evan Ross Katz? Okay, yes. Okay, fair, 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 fair. Okay, drop it in the comments. I just think it's confusing. No, 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 I hear you. I hear you. Drop it in the comments of Evan Ross Katz's uh, episode one to recap post. My question is I am of the, I'm an advocate for the fact that I think that we could have brought Samantha into And Just Like That, played by a different actress. And that actress for me would have been Sharon Stone. I feel like Sharon Stone would have been. Don't give me that face. Do you think that's okay? Why isn't it? To recast Samantha? I mean, do you think it's okay to continue a show? That is like replacing Victoria Beckham in the Spice Girls lineup. I would rather have the four than the five. Okay, and that's why I'm putting it out there as a question to people. I mean, I think that that's perfectly valid. Um, I would argue, Sean, that like the success of the Spice Girls post-Jerry indicates... Well, I guess that... Wait, that's proving your point. Yeah. 
Okay, wait. Well, wait, wait. No, I guess it's a hard example because they did. Wait, is there an example of something that replaced someone significant? I mean, Destiny's Child. Uh, that's a unique situation. Yeah, it's situation. sort of different. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, hard to make a lateral comparison. My point being, I hear what you're saying, but I feel like the omission of Samantha is so such an elephant in the room that though I think obviously there would be an adjustment period, I do think ultimately fans would be more satiated. It would take, obviously there'd be a period of adjustment, but I think they'd be more satiated by having the character around. And I do think if you cast the right actress like a Sharon Stone, you can capture the essence of Samantha and not mm. not in the body of Kim Cattrall. I do feel. I, th- I feel like you can only do that if somebody's passed away. Well, in a lot of ways, this has felt like a death. Yeah, I understand that. What if we brought in Sharon Stone as a very Samantha-like character? What if she's Samantha's sister? Like, it's like, oh, I, could, I could go if gag. we're like, yeah. Gag. Yes. Okay. I think that's perfect because then it's like, oh, we've become friends, but like, and and then we can talk about the falling out with Samantha and why we don't talk to her anymore. Right. But like, oh, and also got this surrogate Samantha and, and she's so like her, but also her own unique person. And the twist is that she doesn't speak to Samantha anymore either. I thought you were going to say she doesn't speak. <laughs> she doesn't <period>. speak. <laughs> she's nonverbal. She's nonverbal. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a question I have, but I do think it's notable. Nine minute mark. In season one, we got a Samantha mention very early into the pilot episode. Just so you know, Sean, Samantha has been a character that exists on and just like that through obviously conversation, but also through text messages. And what is the status of the friendship? The status is that uh, Samantha moved to London and lives in London and basically has, doesn't communicate with the girls anymore. But after, I guess I'm going to tell you something now, which feels so funny to be telling you. So Big died. <laughs> yeah, I know that. Oh, okay. I'm not stupid. Well, Big's in the Sen. I may be a dumb bitch, but I ain't stupid. Okay, so Big's death prompted more communication between Carrie and Samantha, which led to an off-camera meetup with them after in, in the season finale of season one. Okay. So it's our understanding that they're still friend. They're still what do you friendly. Off camera meetup. So Carrie was in Paris spreading uh-huh. Big's ashes and okay. texted Samantha, who's in London, and she was like, "I'm nearby, aka another country, but a country yeah, that's, that's closer." Right. Only a couple hours on the train. Yeah, but I mean, it's not exactly like I'm, you know, nearby, yeah. nearby. But but fair enough. It's uh, not around the corner. And so Samantha agreed, and they met up. That's what we know. Uh, can you I just thought dump we would have ashes into the Sen. I, I think they're trying to clean it up for the Olympics. Like it's a big yeah. No, I think that like article. distinctly, they're not pro <laughs> ashes in the Sen. Okay, but Carrie's, you know, she's in practice. She can do whatever she wants. She's famous. She's famous. Now let's talk about the comedy of Miranda and the deprivation tank. Um, this is a reference you will not know, but there is an episode of Sex in the City in season four where Miranda famously strains her neck. And she is stuck on her bathroom floor in this sort of like, I don't even know how, I, anyone listening, let's see, it's a very distinct position. She just, she can't get up, her, her face is to the right, and Carrie's then boyfriend Aiden has to come over and pick her up off the floor. And there's just so much comedy derived from the fact that Miranda is literally stuck on the floor. This comedic beat for Miranda reminded me so much of that. 
So in that sense, it was like very familiar because I love Cynthia Nixon, the comedian. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the other part of me was like, it felt like it was replicating something we've already seen. Right. Which I think is one of the big question marks that dangles for me when it comes to And Just Like That, which is that I think this season is on the whole so far closer in tone to Sex in the City than season one. And I think that that proximity and tone feels a little bit regressive more than it feels nostalgic. Hmm. Like they're just trying to capture the old magic. It's not only that, but like, but but they're doing like the same beats of the magic. So it's like, I'm all for attempting to recapture the magic. Like, I think that's a worthy pursuit. But there were so many times I was like, oh, like the way she's reacting to this, like that that sort of uh, expression is the same expression she made when. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing because it's like, again, it's bridging the two shows and these are the same characters from before, so they would react to situations in the same way. But I think that there's more things to mine. And also in like the deprivation tank, it's like she got a little saline in her eye, but I didn't know like the comedy of like her then like, needing to get out it's just like wipe it out of your eye or close Mm -hmm. your eye and then it's like why could it's like i don't think a deprivation tank's that hard to get out of like i didn't understand how we were like getting this funny moment but i love a naked moment i mean i love that we were getting naked miranda pretty shocking i'd never seen cynthia nixon naked before like that except like you know just five minutes before but yeah uh i was shocked it's shocking But I do like the fact that, like, overall, I like Miranda's sort of excitement for this journey that she's on in Los Angeles. And so she's recently in L.A.? Yes, she just arrived. We're to believe that she just arrived two weeks ago. Basically, Miranda left her old life behind. She left Steve. She left her kid, Brady, who's who's now, I think, in college. Um, But she basically left everything behind to move to L.A. But the question is, it's like, Che is there to film their pilot, But there's no telling whether or not, like, if the series is picked up, it's hard to say, like, is Miranda planning on staying in L.A.? Mm -hmm. Um, That much is unclear. I don't think she's loving L.A. I don't think she's loving L.A. because I think she's floundering to find purpose. But I will say this is, like, an interesting conversation I think is relatable for a lot of people because I don't think it's uncommon for someone in a relationship to relocate for someone else and Mm -hmm. find themselves struggling to find an identity beyond the relationship. So I think this is like ripe territory um, dramatically, but I want to see like Miranda, I'm all for like Miranda floundering, but I also like when Miranda like lands on her feet because I think Miranda's like, of the four, or now seven, whatever. It's just like Miranda's got her shit together. Yeah. And so there's I need Miranda to kind of like I, I'm all for her falling, but I also love a Miranda triumph. And I feel like we're not yet getting a Miranda triumph. I see it's, it coming. I see it coming clearly. I, I, I look forward to that. Now, back in New York, the podcast. Oh. So basically, Carrie was doing a podcast in season one. Okay. With uh, Che was the host of the podcast. The podcast was no. called... No. Yes. No yes. way. Yes. It was called <laughs> X, Y, and Me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm gagged. <laughs> 
So that's how Chain knows Franklin. Yes, that is how Che knows Franklin. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Carrie and Che are former coworkers. I mean, Miranda knows Che through Carrie. Oh my god! And so, see, I thought Miranda was just calling Carrie because, like, Carrie happened to have Che's number. Because right, right, right. No, Carrie and Che Che have their own connection. Also, do you know the scene when Carrie goes for drinks uh, with Jackie, uh, Smoke's boyfriend? Mm-hmm. Jackie was another co-host on X, Y, and Me. So it was... Oh, my God. <laughs> I got to watch season one. Yeah, maybe you <laughs> Um But uh, so we've got... So the, the three of them had a podcast together. The podcast disbanded. And in the season finale of season one, Carrie, in sort of like a return to form, brought together with... with uh, what's his name? Uh, this new podcast aptly titled Sex in the City. Now, I love that. The question, and it was also the first moment, I believe she looks at the camera in season one when she says Sex in the City. And it was a big exhale moment for the viewers. It's like, it's a, it's, it's, it's big. That sounds iconic. Yeah. It, it was. It sounds iconic. It was I'm reaching. what it sounds. You no, know, no, yeah. It was reaching towards iconography. Okay. Um, so now we are to believe that like, this is the podcast that we were introduced to at the end of the series. Uh-huh. And from what we're seeing, it's basically an advice radio show in that people call in and again i think these are voice memos they are she said can you play the next voicemail okay so they're voicemails people calling in with relationship advice Mm -hmm. and this is interesting in that as you see with the carry of and just like that she is not the most, I mean, she's not really dating. Um, she was in a long-term marriage that recently ended. Since then, she's had, you know, a round of breakup sex. She attempted to go on several dates with this dude last season and ultimately was like, this is moving too fast. I'm curious, the callers that are calling in, like, what is their basis for thinking that Carrie is someone that will provide them with good advice. I, I think you could ask that about... It's true. What, what, people going to the Wendy Williams show to ask for advice? Yes, it's true. Please. What did you I make I think of- because Carrie's so famous in New York City, uh, people want to hear from her. I want to hear from her. You know what I would love? If people sent us questions for relationship advice. Okay, well, listeners, please <laughs> submit. You can send them to me. We could add it as a segment at the end of these recaps. Oh. We could, like, answer one relationship question. I love that. I would that. gag. I would gag. I don't even care if it's real. Just send in a question. No, no. It, let it <laughs> no, be real. No, but I want it to be real. Yeah, let it be real. And we'll answer. <laughs> um, let's cut back to California with the strap-on scene. Uh-huh. Which is, like... Okay, again, I love the attempt of like what this scene is trying to do because I love that it's sort of like there's this comedic beat happening in the background, but then something switches for Miranda and it like and it kind of deflates the tire. Um, I don't I mean, I've never used a strap on. I don't imagine them to be like that difficult. Like the conception seems pretty simple or at least feel like if you gave me a strap on, I'd be able to figure out the mechanics. Mm-hmm. Also, they've been dating now for months. I'm curious why we're just now broaching the strap-on of it all. Well, like, it's possible just like not what Che's into all the time. But then what would have spawned? I feel like if that's the case, then I feel like we could have gotten a whole plot point that was like, 
they're both endeavoring to try yeah, strap ons. Yeah, actually, that would be fun. Like, it is ripe territory. And I do totally. love the possibility of comedy within this. I would have loved, like, more physical comedy. Yeah. Agreed. And I think that... I feel like there could have been some more, and I don't know what came in season one for Che and Miranda, but it would have been nice to explore some of the feelings around this. And like, if this is truly sex in the city, like let's dive into the sex aspect of this, where it's like, why are we doing this? Why do we want this? Who wants this? Do we want to like, does the strap on get like swapped back and forth? Do we both want this? Do we not? Like, I feel like there's a lot to mine here. Uh, And all we got was like Miranda trying to put on this thing and not being able to, and then Che being not interested in it by the time Miranda gets it on. Right. And then in sort of classic, what I think is I'm starting to see as a, a pattern here. It's like, we get this end beat where like Miranda, like I said, deflated from overhearing the fact that, Che says to Miranda, sometimes sex is just sex. And in Miranda's mind, Miranda's hearing that as Che talking about their relationship and thinking that maybe Miranda's feelings are not reciprocated. And so you get Miranda being like, I'm not in the mood. Uh, let's order from, was it's not DoorDash. It's not Seamless. It wasn't Grubhub. It was, oh, was it Open Table? I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. maybe. That sounds right. I think so. But then Miranda's like, let's order food. But like, I needed Che to like, there was a reaction missing from Che of like, what do you mean? Like we were going to fuck? Cause it's like, doesn't Che in theory also want to fuck? Well, see, I thought Che was over it. Because it was, so you think it was like Miranda was the one instigating the strap on moment. I think they were both like into it in the moment. And then the phone call sort of like interrupted the flow. Mm -hmm. That was my read on it. Got it. That makes sense. So then we have this Seema plot line. And, you know, as you mentioned, you're, you're cutting Seema out of the show entirely. I got to say, I had trouble with, you know, we open the show with Seema sending Carrie caviar because she's that excited about the opportunity yeah. to attend the Met Gala and then decides to skip out on the Met Gala so that she can have lunch with mm-hmm. her boyfriend's son and his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. I am so perplexed why they wouldn't make it a dinner or have it be something like her uh, the son's wedding, like some sort of event. Or it's like they're out of town. Like they need to be out of town. There has to be no way she can get to the Met Gala. But even that, I'm kind of like, I'm sorry, I'm not Literally, free. it's like, I, I have tickets to the Met Gala. Yeah. I can't. Can we do tomorrow? Yes, at which point they would be like, oh my God, of course, or we'll see you yeah. next time we're in town. <laughs> but that's why I think it could have been like, my son is getting married. It might be, the reason I didn't invite you sooner is because I thought it might have been too soon, but- I really would love you to be there. It would be a great opportunity for you to meet my family. And that way the stakes are sort of like, this is a once in a lifetime event that you're being invited to. And it's a once in a lifetime event versus once in a lifetime event. And then you get more stakes there. But the fact that they chose to make it, yeah, as you said, just any old get together. And then also that it's a lunch. So she really does have plenty of time. Here's the thing about Seema, though, (laughs) is that she is going out of her way to make her life as miserable as possible (laughs) or as difficult as possible. Yes, it's true. Um, So, yeah, I think that was ultimately, I was like, Seema, girl, like, go to the Met Gala. Also, the theme was Veiled Beauty, and there was not a veil insight on Seema's look that that she landed (laughs) on. So, 
I just would think that she would be more prone to... That is so Seema, actually. <laughs> it's so Seema. <laughs> now, we get Anthony, uh, and he has this story that he tells the ladies during the lunch scene about how he met up with some guy, he was going down on him, and then the guy tap, tap, tapped him and was like, I'm not interested. And then Anthony's like, I went home and I ordered some food. And I understand the attempt at this, mm. sort of, but again, not to nitpick, but we're going to nitpick. I feel like more realistic would be like, because I, 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 I love any time that a gay guy like admits that like yeah. someone wasn't interested in me. Because it's a yeah. reality that so many of us face, but I feel like everyone wants to be like the one that's doing the I'm not interested, <laughs> when in fact, oftentimes, uh-huh. we, we too are on the receiving end. Uh, I, uh, yeah. So I love that, but I feel like more realistic would be like, the guy was blowing, said he wasn't interested in me, so I got on Sniffies and found another guy and went yeah. over to his place and blew him. I didn't like the fact that like the the beat ended up being, so I went home and ate food because there's sort of implicitly yeah. a sadness to that where uh, it's like, I do. I yeah. think that's, I think implicit. No, I hear what you're saying, but I, I actually, I really liked this moment. I think this was actually my favorite moment mm. from the episode because you don't get this on TV very often. Yes. And it is a real thing that happens and it, it it's happened to me. And you know what my reaction was? Not to go on Sniffies and find somebody else. It was to go home and eat food. There you go. Well, then I think literally, you're, yeah, then you're proving it right. Because it, it, like, it, because it is sad. You're like, oh my God. Like, I can't believe that that just happened. That sucks. Yeah. And then you're like, well, I certainly don't feel confident about myself to like go out and find something else. Yes, I completely. So I guess what you're saying is like, there's multiple ways in which this situation can be handled. And I feel like I'm telegraphing how I would handle <laughs> the situation. <laughs> I guess both are sad. In their yeah, ways. I was going to say. Now I do, I did love, because they're again, going back to like these, because you're going to see a lot of people talking about this season of And Just Like That being a quote-unquote return to form. I do feel like the tap, tap, tap thing and how it was sort of like that was used in several moments to sort of, that was like a recurring motif. I like that. That felt very Sex in the City. And I liked how later on Charlotte tap, tap, tapped in conversation in reference to Anthony's tap, tap, tap. I liked that. I feel like we were like cooking with gas at that point. Um Heading back on over to California, Che's joke, because we get a little bit of Che's stand-up comedy, which has been amongst the most divisive parts of Che, is sort of figuring out (laughs) how Che delivers a stand-up set. Uh So Che makes this joke about taking an Uber from their bathroom to their bedroom Uh and it being way too expensive, um, which I guess is Che's brand of humor. But I feel like any comedian, even the bad ones, are gonna end their set with like a big joke. You wanna really yeah. like land on like a big moment. Yeah. And I just don't feel like any comedian would have that be the final and then good night everybody. In fact, if that was the final moment and you got the response that Che got, I would in the moment sort of like say, oh wait, 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 one more thing. That I, it's like you wanna just get yeah. in there and like get the crowd lifted up once more. I did love the joke afterward when that comedian came in and was like, Chase movie or Chase has their new uh, sitcom coming out. Che Pasta. Che, do you have any room for a white guy? Is that what it is? <laughs> I honestly missed that. I think oh, because I, I was like so gagged by the Uber joke that I was like furiously typing like I was Carrie Bradshaw in season one. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was shocked by that Uber joke. Yeah, it's uh, it is shocking. Uh, okay, so then uh, we get Naya 
who's attempting to have FaceTime sex with her husband. And we get what is like very classic sex in the city. Oh, you're helping Heidi in a hat in her hotel room. And the <laughs> idea that Heidi in the hat is the joke. Um, Naya was horny and drunk. Um, uh-huh. I feel like we're giving Naya sad woman plot. Um, uh-huh. And I feel like we're setting her up for the Niasons in episode three, because obviously in episode two, things break down entirely and her marriage of like a long time is dissolved over FaceTime, where I feel like maybe someone could have like, maybe she could have traveled to wherever he was and they could have had a conversation. I feel like we like yeah. needed to to sort things out here. I, I feel like, first of all, I'm surprised to hear you say that they're married because I missed that. Because this is very much giving we've been dating for six months. Uh-huh. And I'm dating a musician who is on the road, and that sucks. Because this is, if this is a marriage, your marriage is a house of cards. Yeah, it's not a, it's not going so well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then we get Carrie in the kimono, which is our first reference to Stanford. Uh, so Stanford left us uh, in the third episode of season one. Uh, Willie Garson, the actor that played Stanford, since the very first episode of Sex and the City, tragically passed away and so had to be written out of and just like that. So this is a, a lovely moment of just remembering that despite the fact that Willie Garson is no longer with us, the character Stanford does exist. Do I love the choice to send him to Japan where he's managing, I believe, like a K-pop star? Um <laughs> Listen, a choice was made. Let's get into the Che diet stuff because I felt like it was like tonally all over the place. I think one of the criticisms of Che from season one was sort of like their corniness as like a human Uh being in that they're just sort of like this very arrogant, pompous person. And so I think that this was an effort from the writers to make Che more vulnerable and as a result, more human. But Mm. I gotta say, like when Che revealed to Miranda their feelings about their weight, like I didn't recognize it as an authentic moment. I thought Che was like, I was going to say busting Miranda's balls, (laughs) but, uh, but like, I just, I wasn't sure. Like, did that moment feel strange to you? I thought it was a joke. Like, I thought, not that Che was joking, but Mm -hmm. I thought maybe it was a joke on behalf of the writers to the audience. And then when Che started crying, I was like, oh, I don't think it's a joke. I think this is serious. uh, Because it, like, like they were setting us up for Che telling Miranda that they had cheated or something. Right. They, like, are interested in somebody else. Right. And then it was like, I'm on a diet? Yeah. Uh... It, like, is there a history there that I should know about? No. Is their relationship to food? No, well, no, we're basically being introduced to this idea. Um, again, when I think in an effort to sort of, like, say that, like, they are human, they have insecurities just like the rest of us. Or or is this, or are we re- both reading this wrong? And this is, like, one more way that Che is pulling away from Miranda. Because Che has all their own stuff going on with the show, with comedy, with Tony Danza, and kind of is, like... Miranda is an afterthought. If she's there, she's there. If she's not, fine. Che's going on their own. And this feels like it could be a device that Che is using to pull further away from Miranda. Mm. Listen, we'll stay tuned on that one. I did love, I think my favorite moment from these first two episodes 
was Miranda's little joke when Che says, let's get a pizza. And Miranda says, but thin crust, right? And that line delivery from Cynthia Nixon is like, you know the Rihanna song, This Is What We Came For? Or This Is What You Came For? <laughs> yeah. That was that. It's like there are these shades of like, my Miranda. And that was my Miranda. I just love the delivery. Is it like the smartest or funniest line I've ever written? No, but I do. I like that human moment of like poking. And like, I can, I really like relate to this idea of like mm-hmm. poking fun at someone in a moment where you, it could go bad, but because yeah. you, they know that it's coming from a loving place, you get the laugh from them. And it's almost like more validating of your relationship. Cause you know that they understand how you mean something like that and that you wouldn't get offended by it. Yeah, and so I guess actually to like backtrack on what I just said, that actually tells us a lot about their relationship. Yes, I concur. And that if Che was in fact trying to pull away, Che could have used this as a reason to further pull away, but they didn't. And so there's something here. Yes. I do think that like I would love to see Che investing more in... Because, like, obviously, as I mentioned to you, like, this is very much a new Miranda, right? Like, she she left behind so much of what she knew. I would love to see, like, Che appreciating some of Miranda and what Miranda has to offer. Well, that's the problem, is they don't. Yeah. And that's why Miranda deserves better. Well, Miranda deserves better, but Miranda deserves to stay in the relationship that she was in because she had a marriage that... I would have loved to see find a way to get back on track. You have to understand, Sean, Miranda's partner, Steve, who I don't know if you've met, is, I believe, the most beloved character in the no. Sex and the City universe outside of Samantha. Oh, my God. Like, people... She really is like Joy Behar. It's like <laughs> Steve is the most beloved character on The View, Laura, and nobody's ever seen him. <laughs> it's true. Like, how I've, how I've never seen Steve on Sex and the City. Well, he will be <laughs> popping up on this season of And Just Like That. We have seen oh. him filming. Yes. Yes. And I did read in one of the reviews that there's a monologue from Steve coming. So I look forward to you meeting Steve, but I will say that you are going to meet a different Steve than the Steve of Sex and the City, because again, one of the criticisms of season one was Steve's uh, change in character. Um, Now, let's go back to Smoke's dress. And yes, the character's name is Smoke. Uh, Uh Smoke uh, is making a dress for Carrie for the Met Gala. Now, this is Carrie Bradshaw. This is the Met Gala. It's uncommon for someone, anyone, to wear an unknown designer to the Met Gala. In mm-hmm. fact, and I'm no expert on this, I can't think of an instance in which that has happened, but I'm sh- there. perhaps there's precedent. I'm surprised at that decision and the fact that Carrie is very of the mindset of like, I'm not doing this as a favor. I genuinely think you are like the next great thing and then we see the dress that is the product yeah. of the next great thing. And I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah, it's not a great dress. It's not a great dress. And it seems really risky of Carrie to have like a final fitting of her dress on the afternoon of the Met Gala. Wild. Like, girl, we got a plan for these things. And meanwhile, it's like you have LTW and Charlotte at their fitting, which is ostensibly days earlier. Um, Even that to me is, we were down to the wire. Um, But yeah, very, very odd. Um, I did love, we get a scene shortly thereafter with Anthony when he gets the 
uninvited <laughs> from the Met Gala. And he says, when did my life become seventh grade gym class again? Don't have fun. And I do love these little inserts. Again, going back to the tap, tap, tap of it all. I do like that we're getting these flourishes of the gay perspective um, from Anthony. I mean, I obviously, it makes me miss Stanford because we used to have our two gay characters on the show. Um, but I appreciate Anthony and I like that they're giving him more to do this season. Um, like speaking of Joy Behar in The View, I know Anthony because oh, of yeah. Mario Cantone being a mainstay on The View. So I actually felt very at home. At home with Anthony. Yeah. Um, speaking of fashion choices. But the, also just the way that they treat him. Of like, yes. you're coming, you're not coming. And then at the last minute you're coming, like, I thought that's not very nice. It's not, but then it's like he wasn't really reactive to it, which like I guess in theory like gave the permission of the mistreatment yeah. because it was like he was sort of like but Do we love that? I don't know because I for me it's like I just I, I have never been really bought the friendship between Carrie and Anthony. Anthony will always be Charlotte's gay for me. And Stanford will be oh, Carrie's gay. Oh, that's not. No, that's that's how it's referred to on the show. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying I didn't know that he was Charlotte's gay. Yeah. Like that I didn't. I guess now it makes sense why they were. It's, that's what I'm just saying. Oh, like, I thought you were calling me out for gay. like identifying no, like, gay as an accessory. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, so in this version of the show, everyone is sort of friends with everyone. As you'll yeah. see, like they're doing a lot of mix and matching of cast. And I just have a hard time. Like there was a scene last season with like Carrie and Anthony like at. It was that like one the apartment that Carrie briefly moved into, and like I just was like these two characters to me just like shouldn't be friends. I, it's just mm -hmm. an odd matchup, and I'm like Carrie has tickets to the Met Gala. Like I'd love to see her go with an old character from Sex and the City that we haven't seen in a while. Um, also, just I'd plus, love to see her go. Yeah, well, I'd love to see her go. Plus <laughs> ones are not a thing. Um, talking about fashions, Carrie's boots that he was planning on wearing were insane. They were more insane than the top hat that Charlotte was like so spooked by. Um, mm -hmm. I couldn't. I, I couldn't believe Charlotte's outfit for the Met Gala oh either. Again, the theme is veiled beauty. I was actually gagged when she was getting like uh, strapped into her corset. Yeah, the, that was and promising. Then when they revealed it as like a circus clown's outfit, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was. It was like take. Take two layers off. Yeah, it gave me it gave me a fright. Um, what did you make of LTW's Valentino? Because although I loved it, I very much feel like that headpiece could fit in a cab. Uh, I I really loved the headpiece. I loved it too. I thought, yeah, but like she's like, I, well, what's I, the problem? It can't. Fit so in she a cab? had ordered a Sprinter van, but she well, actually, sorry, she forgot to order the Sprinter van, and so the reason that they end up walking the ten blocks, according to her, is because the headpiece won't fit. Oh, it could fit. It could totally fit. Also, it's a headpiece. Can't you take it off? And I know it's like probably like a, a struggle, but like you could take it off and reapply it. Yeah. So that was interesting. Yeah. Veiled beauty. Uh, what I'm just so curious how they landed on that theme. And so we have our final moment, and we get you know Carrie finding her old wedding dress, the Vivian Westwood, which, uh, Sean, for your knowledge... First Even I recognize that. Yes, first appeared in the Sex and the City film. Um, and it's funny because Carrie makes this comment saying, I can't just go to my outfit... Excuse me, I can't just go to my closet and find the perfect dress to wear. And my reaction was like, if anyone could go to their closet <laughs> and find the perfect dress to wear, it is uniquely you, Carrie. But Well, this is the thing. Is uh, This is another question I have about Carrie is like, 
the fashion, and maybe there's not an answer for this, but the fashion that she has donned over the years, am I to believe that that's all purchased by Carrie and that it is in like, you know? Yeah, so that's a great question. I think that the way one is meant to watch a show like Sex and the City when it comes to economics um, is that if you try and poke holes in it, the balloon will pop very easily. Hmm. So you're kind of meant to just observe the balloon. Yeah. But so, but like, but my question is not, it's not, can she afford it? But it's like, so she's buying this stuff and she's keeping it. Yes. I think that like, I think she's gifted things. I think the hard thing that I've never kind of wrapped like my head around is like, I know Carrie's a celebrity, but I don't know how much of like a fashion icon she is. Like, Obviously, it's like I know, like we, the fans of the show, regard her as a fashion icon. But in the world of Sex and the City, is Carrie like a famous columnist? Because like a columnist mm-hmm. is not is different. They're not getting photographed on the street in an outfit, right? So, and also, it's like, is she the kind of person? I think Carrie's like more in like a Julia Fox space of like not to that degree, but like of turning looks than she right. is like like Carrie's not showing up in like the row. You know what I mean? Right. Carrie's going to give you Vivian Westwood. Yeah. Um, but that's, I, yeah, I'm still not sure of how the world, how the world of And Just Like That sees Carrie. Also, I mean, like, just so you know, in in the last season, Carrie was working on a, her, her next book. Again, like, leading to Carrie's celebrity status. Like, she is an esteemed New York Times bestselling author. Um, but she's also podcast host but she's going to the Met Gala but she has to go through the back entrance I'm curious about Carrie's state of celebrity yeah me too it would be nice to have a scene where she's like out to dinner and somebody goes oh my god aren't you Carrie Bradshaw right I love your podcast I love your podcast wait till you hear no you need someone to come up and be like I purchased this vaginal wellness product thanks to your podcast Yeah, well, that's not going to be happening. But that would be a fun plot line where it's like it Carrie is super uncomfortable by it. And it turns out that like she like has this great impact on so many yeah. women's vaginal yeah. health. Yeah. Um. So that's a good place to end this episode because we'll pick up with some vaginal health conversation in our next episode. Sean, anything you want to sort of bookend the episode with? Well, yeah, actually there is. <laughs> so she wears this iconic wedding dress, right? Who she married... Big. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so well, she Well, wait, finishes... sorry, sorry. I don't mean to interject. No. She married Big, but not in that dress. Big left her at the altar. Oh, I heard about that. In I that dress. That. So yes. just, I want to be correct here. And so did she marry Big in like part two? She marries Big at the end of the movie, wearing a little something simple that was hanging oh. in her closet and they get married at City oh, Hall. That's cute. Because the idea that's is cute. that like, it was all of the pomp and circumstance that was actually giving big cold feet. And really he just wanted it to be about them and their love story. And so then she ends the episode with the voiceover saying, and just like that, I repurposed my pain. And so is the pain around big dying? Yeah. And I think the, the, what the meaning that that dress holds for her, which is very much sort of like, again, the old chapter of her life. Right. I gotta and say, then, though, I feel like showing up to the Met Gala in what is very obviously a wedding dress, um, I don't know about that. 
Well, that's that was my next question. Was like, are people going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa? That's that is a Vivian Westwood or what? Sorry, who was the designer? Vivian, Vivian Westwood. Westwood. That's why. Is, yeah, you want the next because you would know that it's a it's like a custom wedding dress. You wouldn't it wouldn't be like a couture item. Like you would tell the difference. I right? kind of wanted a throwaway moment from episode two to be Carrie reading Vogue.com or something and like seeing like a call out of the fact that like not worse dressed but like. Carrie Bradshaw looks stunning, but like, or like, even or it like, could Car- even be like daring, or it could be dress. like a viral tweet or something that's like, love Carrie Bradshaw, but did she realize that she was attending the Met Gala and not a Hamptons <laughs> wedding, yeah. or her Hamptons? But wedding. I feel like, uh, but I feel like there is an aspect to it that's like, oh, like veiled beauty, a bride wears a veil, like this could be like, it's a play on, and it's like a daring thing that Carrie did. Yeah, I think that you just would need to make sure that you message that. And you would need to be a famous person because only famous pers- people are handed yeah, that opportunity. But Carrie's on the side of the bus. She's on the side of the bus. Okay, right. so at this point, say we're not doing the podcast, uh-huh. would you be inclined to jump to episode two? Uh, probably not. Probably not. Okay. Probably not, but I'll say this, that through this conversation, I've gained a lot more... Um, I have a I have a much better outlook on the out episode than I did at first because I was just like, what What am I doing? What am I watching? I don't know any of these people. Yeah, it's like a, it's just like granted, it's a really hard thing to do to jump into season two of a reboot show of a long running beloved show. Totally, and we recognize that, and we thank you for your you. your bravery here. It's not, um, it's not always easy what I do, but I also do want to mention the fact that like I had a very strong reaction to the first episode when I first watched it. And then when I rewatched it, preparing for today's podcast, I softened on my like feelings around it and was able to find like, for every five things that I didn't like, I was able to find five things that I could convince myself that I liked. Does that make sense? So uh-huh. I feel like this is a show that like, it has a lot of rewatch value. And I gotta say, like my top level is like, I love the character of Carrie Bradshaw. I always have. I think she's like stupidly divisive within the fandom because Mm -hmm. I think people, I think she was ahead of her time. I'll say it. And I just feel like people have a hard time wrapping themselves around the complexity of Carrie because they want her to be flatter because, and this is something that Michael Patrick King said during his appearance on uh, Shut Up Evan, which is that like Carrie is both the girl next door and the other woman. And I think the fact that she's able to be both of those things for a lot of people is such uncharted territory because people put people in boxes. And so I love the fact that like on and just like that, for instance, it's like Carrie's famous, but she's also going through the back door of the Met Gala. Like she's uh, a New York Times bestselling author, but hosting a podcast in one of my favorite (laughs) quotes from uh, the second episode. It's not the podcast. Hey day of 2021 shit is drying up. (laughs) So Carrie is, (laughs) which we'll get to that. (laughs) We'll get, yeah, we'll get to that. But, um, (laughs) I just love Carrie. I like being around her and I'm glad that we're getting a lighter Carrie and I'm eager to see, I feel like episodes one and two very much felt contained in that like we wrapped up a Carrie plot where like our girl is single, single now. And so I'm very curious to see where Carrie goes from here because it's like Miranda sort of like, we we know this Che plot is, we, we kind of know where it's going. Um, and then with Charlotte, it's like, 
which we'll get to because I really can't wait to talk about Lily's song mm-hmm. in episode two. But like, I have a sense of Charlotte's journey ahead with Carrie. I'm sort of like, where are we going? And I'm strapped in and ready to go. Yeah. Okay. That's episode one. Leave us your voice memo with uh, any relationship advice that you are seeking. And we will uh, bring it around for episode three because we're obviously recording episode two right now. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for joining us. See you at episode two. See you in episode two. Bye.